Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello folks, welcome to another episode of the 1% Better Podcast, another live Tuesday night episode. They're not always going to be on a Tuesday night, the live ones, but they seem to have for the last few weeks, and I'm uh, grateful for that. Um, and in this one, I've been connected with uh, a lady who has made a, a movie 10 years ago, but has a, a career before that and a career after that. So we're going to get into her story. The movie was called, or is called, Vanishing of the Bees. And I would love to introduce you to Miriam Henain. Miriam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. Ready to go. Ready to go. You've also been dubbed the Erin Brockovich of the bee world. Is that something you, you like, a tagline as that, or is, is something, what's the story behind that? I like the tagline because I, I think that these days we need taglines to wave attention in from people. People certainly know Erin Brockovich. Um... Julia Roberts hasn't played me, but and I've interviewed Erin Brockovich. I did a oh. lengthy piece on the status of water in the United States of America. So, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I think that it's surprising people still don't realize that bees are disappearing and that we're still dealing with colony collapse disorder a decade later. Mm. So we'll definitely get into the story because it is a fascinating one. I, I was said I watched the movie in in my research for for this, and I always like to uh, to go into lots of detail in, in especially in, in documentary type um, movies. So so we'll talk a bit about that. Just to get a bit more background on on you, Miriam, talk to me a bit about your your early career. You you know you've been in in journalism. You're an activist. Maybe just give me a, a run through of you know your your growing up. Was that what you foresee or foresaw for yourself in the future, just to, to learn a little bit more about you. Sure. I am Canadian from Montreal, Canada. I'm Egyptian-Greek mixture. And uh, looking back, I think I grew up, grew a quite a sheltered life in Montreal, in Canada. And uh, I came out here after graduating Los Angeles, here being Los Angeles, mm -hmm. after graduating journalism school. And for a long time, I freelanced. Uh, my beats were Hollywood and spirituality and sexuality. And at age 29, I was hit by a Ford Explorer and dragged 50 feet, quite a near-death experience. Oh. And that kind of set me on a different trajectory I, I never, you know, I've never set out to, to direct, a, produce a documentary. I'm, I'm a journalist, and today I'm a functional medicine coach. After almost dying, kind of put it out there in the universe that I wanted to do something that was bigger than me, to be in service. I've almost died actually a couple of times. I was very lucky, I'm very lucky that I can walk, and I also attribute that to my tenacity and persistence and resourcefulness because as a Canadian, I didn't have health insurance because I grew up with health insurance and it really opened my eyes to Western medicine. So despite having a 13-inch metal titanium rod in my femur, nobody said, hey, you need physiotherapy because I wasn't insured. I, I had to have subsequent surgeries and I, I fought 
to remove the metal rod. And I say fought because you can ask people with hardware. They live with it for the rest of their lives. I chose to remove it because I felt that it altered my constitution and I it toggled inside of me. And that set me down a rabbit hole because I experienced post-traumatic stress. Um, I, I, my body kind of erupted and I used everything that happened to me, whether it was insomnia or adrenal fatigue, to educate myself and empower myself and turn to alternative health. So after making, eventually the bees flew into my life and uh, collaborated with George Langworthy. Ironically, after making the film at an environmental film festival, I was exposed to fumigants. They were where I was staying, fumigating between two buildings. And so I, it's just ironic that I too got exposed to pesticides. And a few months later, just lost all my strength. I'm even though I had had a rod in my leg, I've, I'm active and physical and couldn't even go up a flight of stairs. I was in so much pain and thought it was maybe my thyroid mm. and was diagnosed with lupus and fibromyalgia. Mm. And uh, the doctors, you know, when I asked later, could this be chemical body burden? That's the synergy of all these whatever heavy metals, whatever I was exposed to. It was a blank stare, complete, like the, you know, here's some Cymbalta and some prednisone. We have, there's no cure. We're just going to label you and your body's attacking itself. And at that time had already launched Honey Colony. And you could say the bees stuck and Honey Colony is an online magazine and marketplace. And the aim is to empower people to be their own best health advocate and to put honesty back into the food supply. So that's kind of my trajectory. I would say that today in 2018, things are crazy, especially in the United States. We're living in a topsy-turvy world where things are just inside out and don't make sense. And, and it's really an opportunity to have an awakening and to question things and to use critical thinking. And I believe and know that food and clean food is a component to that because we're now facing epidemic of, of, of brain drain, brain issues and gut issues and the gut and the brain are connected. It's the same axis. And so we're making leaps and bounds as far as functional medicine as at looking at, you know, the fact that one in every two people today suffers from a chronic illness. Mm. So what, what's, what's going on um, for people who don't think that the environment is affecting the wrong? It's not only about food. Certainly food is important, but our environment and the stress levels that we're coming up against. Mm. It's funny you mention I am actually a type 1 diabetic and probably in your world of functional medicine, you might have some, you know, remedies or treatments around that we maybe could talk about that and i'm only diagnosed about five years ago so it wasn't something i had from a young age type one generally they say is is hereditary or, or genetic or, or something but there's been a massive upsurge in how many type ones have been diagnosed certainly from a latter point of their life rather than from a juvenile perspective um so so yeah i'm i'm one of those two i'm i'm, I'm that 50 percent that you uh you mentioned there so 
anything you can do to help me, I'd be I'd be open for that. Well, well, it has to do a lot with insulin resistance um, that you build up from years and years of eating carbs mm. and um, basically not being able to produce insulin. So what we see is is a ketogenic diet can work wonders mm. for a lot of people. And it does constitute kind of a deep dive if, if I was like sitting down to consult with you. But I am very much of the belief that we can reverse things with food and epigenetics. And that's, you know, after years and years of kind of turning uh, against myself and also realizing that 95% of were led by our subconscious uh, beliefs mm. and they can be running us. So if you tell a human being, your body is attacking itself, which is what is essentially happening with autoimmunity issues is, well, wow, if my body, if I can't trust my own body, who can I trust? So that is absolutely, the body is doing what it can to, it's having this inflammatory response, it's doing what it can. And so after studying metabolomics, we have 5,000 metabolites in our body. And it's all this beautiful dance, right? You need enzyme, coenzymes, everything to work together. So when you have disease, two things are happening if you distill it like this. One is you're not getting the micronutrients that you need. For whatever reason, you're eating a crap diet, you have malabsorption, there's something that's preventing you from absorbing the nutrients or you're just you're not getting you're not getting them mm -hmm. or the body is exposed to chemicals or um, pollutants at a greater rate than your body can heal so the body wants to heal it needs a little help so if someone was coming to me with type 1 diabetes I, I forget right at this moment which mm. is the one that's they say is reversible. Is it type, type one? No, type one is is not reversible. Type two is the one that you is is more diet, and I'm putting that in quotes because some so people say it's, yeah. it's not, but it is more. It is completely reversible. Type two, uh, type one, type one isn't. Um, so you're taking insulin shots? Yeah, yeah. Sh sh shot up, uh, shoot up four times a day at least with with insulin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would I would adjust the diet and see mm. what what that does. You know, high fats, no carbs, no sugars, um, and then I would I would look. I'm a big fan of taking tests mm. to be able to see specifics. And people don't usually do their tests, so I don't know how old you are, but it's like, oh, what are my hormone levels? You know, the food we eat can turn into hormones. Makes light turns into hormones. Mm. So there's so many different variables and it's not just food the more and more i take a deep dive having studied last year blue zones and longevity blue zones are areas in the world there are five where people live in their 70s 80s 90s 100s mm. and you know to look to those people we see that it extends beyond you know longevity and good health ex extends beyond just food but definitely you know, I don't know how it is where 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 you live, mm. and in Ireland, as far as the food supply being adulterated. But I live part of Greece, and people have these romantic notions of the food quality there, or are surprised when I tell them that I don't 
have access to organic food unless I was growing it myself. The truth is what Europe is doing in the different countries is the same as what's happening in the United States where they're subsidizing and promoting these crops that are not really nutritious, that are monocultures, that are mostly grains, genetic, genetically modified and um, subsidizing that. And then therefore, even in Greece, you know, the, the people in Greece have secret gardens and, and eat food that they grow, but what they serve, even in a blue zone, is not necessarily local. Is and Gr that's sad. Is Greece in the blue zones? Ikaria, which is an island hmm. 25 miles north of Turkey, is a blue zone. And what I found is that people are more interested, well, because it's a lot of tourism, right? They've sure. made it an industry. And you have to think in Greece, having an economic um, situation hmm. that they live on tourism and they make their money, you know, three months out of 12, uh, out of 12. Yeah. And so they... They don't want anything to kind of threaten the industry. And I say that because the truth is that the characteristics that preserve our, our blue zone are being threatened, but it seems like they're more interested in the kind of the narrative, like this this uh, fantasy that they're selling people. Like pe Americans won't go to Ikaria and think that they're not going to die. Uh, that's how silly it is. Um, okay. Well, look, I don't. I, yeah. I brought up type one. I, certainly, anyone listening, yes. I don't want to don't want to drag it down to. We can have a separate okay. talk about that. Okay. But but I definitely yes. want to just go back to to obviously talk about. Certainly, talk about the movie for folks that haven't seen it. I do remember this coming out maybe nine ten years yes. ago. Um, or or, or or a lot of stories around it. And when I watched the movie, it was interesting at the, near the end. And I'm not going to give away too much, but so much TV footage. Even there was a, a music video, there was a rap song or something, you know, kind of mimicking all the bees kind of disappearing, how how it became mainstream uh, in, in, in the media at the time. How did you get into the whole process of deciding to, to put this documentary together and, and then maybe talk into the, you know, the early stages of how, how it all started to come together? Well, it was 2006 and George and I wanted to collaborate. And, and like I said, I, I had put it out there that I wanted to do something that I wanted to, to make a documentary and it to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I had just finished producing um, a segment on the Exxon Valdez oil spill with for Robert Greenwald and the Sierra club. Anyway, George, that the bees were disappearing around the world and that he thought it would make a good documentary He's a fan of mysteries and it was certainly a mystery at the time. And, mm. you know, you have all these like swarms of bees all over the world, just max, mass exodus and what on earth could be causing it. I spent um, afternoon doing research and I, it really resonated with me that the honeybees are a sister society. So in a hive of a healthy hive of, of uh, let's say 50,000 90% are female and do all the work. Mm -hmm. And I also, with colony collapse disorder, one of the traits is that the bees will abandon the brood, the babies, and the queen. And I saw that as being 
unnatural and a direct parallel to what we're doing to Mother Earth now. At, you know, 2006 is the heels of inconvenient truth and a real kind of awakening mm. that we are harming the planet. Mm. So it was a different time than, than now. And we can see in a decade how much we've raised our consciousness about, you know, there's all these movements, there's, you know, you can go and study food politics. You couldn't do that when I was growing up, have food studies, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's how, and, and then that really resonated with me. And, and I tell people literally a few days later, I started having bee visitations and they haven't stopped. And it's been, you know, we spent five years making vanishing of the bees. And I think I was really galvanized. I have, I like to think visionary capabilities where I could see something that can be manifested. And, and I really saw this was a global issue and that it was going to be big. And so I, that's why I devoted so much of my time and, and, and sacrificed five years of my life and the bees stuck. So because of everything that they represent, they, they really have been teachers and, and guides to me. And I feel really blessed. Like one of the things that lends to long life and happiness is a sense of purpose, mm -hmm. what the Japanese called ikagi, um, ikigai, sorry. Yeah. And I have a sense of purpose after, you know, almost dying and kind of floating aimlessly like a dandelion in the wind. So I, I'm grateful for the bees for opening my eyes up. And I tell people that all roads can lead to bee because they teach us so much about industriousness, community, collaboration, working for the greater good. Of, they, they give us our food and they work together. Hmm. No, definitely, and I think uh, you know from from going through the movie, taking out some key points, it, that that obviously resonated, and and I think the way you put it together as you were kind of looking back in history, um, you know, making reference to to bees and and the important role that they had played, kind of certainly br brought that brought that out. There, there's a deeper message in there i think you know the 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 queen bee the female equality that was certainly something that that you put front and center in this right yes the, the you know we could have been kind of more esoteric and lost people and and there is a movie like that out there i think queen of the sun but we really wanted to steep it in science and there were so many different facets of the honeybee in our culture and history. I mean, think we took 300 hours and edited it into 87 minutes. Mm. So we wanted to steep it in science, but we did touch upon the sacred feminine and, and kind of the history and the legacy, if you will, of the honeybee. And it's, it's definitely important because we're living in an age where there's a lot of you know, male, the male energy, and I, this is not being sexist because we have male and female energy within all of us, but it's the principle of kind of this destructive as opposed to this nurturing energy. And the bees can invite us to do things in a, in a different way, because a lot of times when you are a female in the working world, then you just act more male. It's not, it's a woman, you know, Clinton, that's a female. No, mm -hmm. it's not. Sure. So um, yes, we brought we touched upon the the female, the sacred feminine. Hmm. No, it was it was well touched upon there. Just maybe even in the details, 
I found a kind of touching, obviously, as well from from those families that were you know, fifth generation beekeepers losing their their livelihood within a matter of in months. I think there was one guy, Rick Smith, I think it was his name, from mm-hmm. from when it broke out to six months later. I think they were effectively nearly gone out of business. That that was must have been difficult even to be shooting and producing all this around these people because there was a lot of emotion and and pain there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be in a field like in the scene of the kind of the graveyard and it's quite eerie. You have all these hives upon hives upon hives, just empty. And you have people who are losing their their family business. And it is a really David and Goliath, David versus Goliath story. However, with that said, you know, things things change and, and unfortunately we have awakenings through tragedy and the truth is that these commercial beekeepers are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. They're part of an unsustainable system. So, you know, it's it's things things have to change and, and in the movie the bee shaman Simon Buxton says, which is probably one of the favorite best lines in the movie for me, is instead of having a future where you have one person with 60,000 hives, you have 60,000 people each with one hive. Mm-hmm. And that, that certainly has stayed with me as a hobby beekeeper who is just happy to have the bees. It's, it's not, it's be, being a steward. It's not mess for me. It's not about messing with them. It's not about, Oh, look at all the honey, like the people, you know, I, I wrote a very spicy article about the flow hive and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taken apart by my, first of all, I'm a journalist. I'm all about inviting critical thinking and debate and having conversation, which is more and more needed in, in this society today where we're so touchy and people unfriend each other because they disagree. Mm-hmm. So that, that article was taking apart the flow hive, which I'm sure you've heard about the flow hive. It was a, the most successful at the time campaign on Indiegogo. And it was what I said, turning, uh, can just turn the tap and then get honey. So all of a sudden you care about the bees now because you can get honey from them. Um, to me, it's not about the honey per se, not to say I don't eat honey, but I, I think it's sacred and medicinal and the bees, we should just be stewards. Yeah. Are you there? I'm here. Okay. Sorry, I just I didn't just lose you. No, no, it's okay. I want to make bit. sure I didn't lose you. No, no, I, I'm here. So so I guess, you know, obviously I want to encourage people to watch the movie if they haven't all already. Um but I suppose towards the end of the movie the the research that was done was, was all really trying to identify a smoking gun. I think uh, Ellen Page who narrated it, uh which which was probably a great um coup for the movie to help raise some more awareness around it talked about the smoking gun and trying to identify the, the the cause there was a few stand out um and i think as well just maybe you can clarify but when they identified one or two potential causes they said a, a year later in france or, or france was an example of of it happening 10 years previously i think and it had somewhat bounced back not saying that this was a solution um but they were just saying that you know this is just a 
an example of what what could could happen in the future or how bad things could get can you talk a little well, bit I, about, yeah go on. yeah i don't think it's like me spoiling spoiler alert if i say what's at the root cause of colony okay. collapse disorder sure. also you know why would someone want to see this um it's 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 uh was came out in 2011 mm-hmm. well and and we started filming in 20 2006 2007 right so it's been a decade and what has happened in a decade? Well, the honeybees are still disappearing and systemic pesticides, which are the root cause of colony collapse are very much in use and the most popular pesticides in the world, not to be confused with Monsanto's roundup. And now whatever, they're the same company, Bayer and Monsanto, they've joined forces. And so this is still relevant because bees are still dying. And my message is that we, are the bees slowly being poisoned. Now I say slowly because these are sublethal doses. And what's happening in our environment is that we're being subjected to all these environmental toxins and they compound and they synergize and they accumulate. And you cannot, it's very insidious that way. So these systemic pesticides have been now likened to DDT, except they're five to 10,000 times more dangerous than DDT. Explain so just, just the DDT there for a second, for anyone that might know what that is. DDT is a chemical that was used back in the, uh, I think, late 60s, 70s. Okay. And uh, I don't know the full, um, I can look it up. Chemical to... properties. No, don't, just even the, yeah. what, what, what impact it had. It's a chemical and it was, it was lauded and used and, and, um, sprayed all over the place and Rachel Carson who was editor-in-chief of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife that was also integral in creating the Environmental Protection Agency in the early 70s um, became in just became a person who spoke against DDT and was integral in, in banning this poison. So if we think that these systemics plus they stay in the in the soil and their metabolites are more dangerous than the parent compounds as they break down over up to 18 years they're killing not only bees but birds and bats and humming hummingbirds butterflies um, the aquatic life they're messing up the coral reef this is serious it's in it's in our brains it's in our blood i mean all these chemicals, you know, a baby is born today with what, a hundred something chemicals coursing through the umbilical cord. Mm. Hello. Yeah. I'm here. What, what you know, I mean, like, what are we doing? It's crazy. Sure. Um, so that's why I think someone should watch the film to educate themselves that a honeybee pollinates one in every three bites of the food that we eat. And mm. while there are other creatures that are dying for selfish purposes, the honeybee is the most useful for us. Because it's responsible for giving us our, our 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 vegetables and fruits and nourishing us with with real food and monocultures are are all over the place and and they're full of chemicals. Mm. And and from making the movie, I get a right, I get a sense of, of of what you did to put that together and put it out there it must have been very satisfying. But I also get a sense that it probably made you even more frustrated with with the way things are developing would would that be fair to say it was kind of mixed emotions from it 
Yeah, I, I definitely think that I've um, lost some of my sweetness over the years of waking up to the reality of how we grow our food and the smoke and mirrors, because in reality, all of these mainstream products, whether they're beauty products for our skin or processed food, it's all crap, 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 crap with ingredients that we can't pronounce, let alone digest or assimilate. And I come at it not only as a Canadian, you know, looking at the American system, although, you know, mod modern agriculture is really what's um, at fault here at the, at the root cause of, of how we grow our food. But looking at it as a Canadian who also had experience as a patient um, and how they treated me from Western medicine and then looking at you know, studying the food supply for more than a decade now, mm. and then also being exposed myself to pesticides and uh, hacking my condition to reverse my lupus. I mean, I tell people in the mainstream and they don't believe me. Okay, you can be invested in being sick forever, but I'm not. I've woken up and humans are incredible and we're being... Um, People are waking up to the fact that Western medicine doesn't have our back, that it's just about profits, and that is threatening to the system. And I have witnessed that firsthand, what it's like to be a pioneer on the front lines. Um, I, I'm talking about now selling a plant medicine, CBD, mm -hmm. and what I've had to go through. Uh, to fight for people's right to have access to this medicine. So whether it's this medicine or the truth of how amazing we are and, and to empower people to be their own best health advocate and to not just listen blindly because someone's wearing a lab coat. Who mm. cares? I mean, I, I've known more information than the doctor that's seen me in many cases, and that's not to sound arrogant. I'm educated and no one knows your body more than you. You just have to get in touch. People are out of touch. Um, they're kind of immune. And I, I've, I think a great part because of having a near-death experience and also being exposed to pesticides, I am a very sensitive creature. I am an environmental indicator. I have multiple um, chemical sensitivity. I can walk in a room and go, oh, there's mold here. Oh, there's a gas leak. Oh, there's some poisons. I smell things that the average human can't. And it's not because I'm a freak. Mm. It's because I'm an environmental indicator. And people should be grateful because I'm alert. Yeah, that's how I feel. But, but, so, yes, I've become, I've become sensitive and I've become cynical. And I've, you know, once you're awake, mm. you can't go back to sleep. No, no, absolutely. And I think, as you said, there's more and more, hopefully more and more people becoming awake and becoming more active about what is going on just on the point that you mentioned of being that indicator and that you have that extra sensitivity is that something you always had or, or how has that no. developed you've no, no, developed no. that yourself have you no 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 i i had a near-death experience i literally died and yeah. come, came back and then after that one i would i i developed i broke my tailbone and they say the tailbone is associated with um olfactory senses so when i woke up in the hospital mm. i joked that i developed super nasal powers i can i could break down the you know oh, the, this person smells the orderly smells like nicotine and tide and bleach and um that was one thing that kind of tapered 
over over the years, but I have definitely a sense of smell. And then literally getting exposed to chemicals. Mm. Um, it's called multiple chemical sensitivity. I'm not the only one. Interestingly, I think it was in the 90s, there was a movie called Safe, played by, uh, I forget her name, Julianne Moore. Okay. And it's all about someone that has chemical sensitivity. Of course, she's she's seen, perceived as a freakazoid and um, has to go into this hippie commune where the air is fresh because she's, you know, she goes into the hair salon and she has a reaction. Uh, she goes into the dry cleaners. So it, it's it's not something I've developed. I mean, I believe that we're all intuitive mm. and we all can be, you know, tap into our body, you know, for me to be like, oh, I've started ovulating, mm -hmm. um, to, to be really in touch with your body. Th that takes work. It's a muscle like anything else. But this sensitivity is not something <laughs> I don't on a conscious level chose because it's I have other I have a lot of a uh, handful of other very sensitive friends, very sensitive, and we see it as a blessing and a curse. And it sure is. We mm. want to just be normal whatever the hell that means anymore. <laughs> yeah, normal doesn't have a, a normal meaning anymore. It's, it's just funny because, not funny, but I, I actually interviewed uh, a, a doctor, a neuroscientist, Eben Alexander, not so long ago. I haven't released that podcast yet, but he has wrote a book called, um, I'm looking at it at the moment. Um, where is it now? It's it's about his NDE, and he was... Mm. Um, he he died effectively for seven days. He had E. coli, and oh, wow. um, he then came back and talked at length. He wrote wrote a couple of books. Um, a proof of heaven. Sorry, I, I wanted to remember the name because uh, I just edited the show at the weekend. But but I'm totally on board with what you're saying around NDEs and how how that has been a massive change for him. He's seen things that, as a neuroscientist, somebody that had believed in science, he was a, a Harvard um professor as well that after his nd came out and completely went down a different path and talks about you know certainly about consciousness and awakening and uh he's a completely different person so so yeah no i'm definitely on board with where you're coming from and uh and believe you um and obviously know that yeah. there's so much to um to us that we're probably closed off from because of how we're conditioned from from the get-go you know so Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I absolutely agree. You, you touched on uh, CBT uh, or C CBD oil, right? So since since the movie, since the publicity, since all of that stuff that happened, what what has life been like for you? And I know you've you've developed and grown and taken on new challenges. Uh, maybe talk to me about that, and and certainly touch on the the story around CBD and and anything you'd like to share around your journey since sure thank you I, after making the film and decided to create in 2011 2012 honey colony and and have been basically i built it along with a team into a million dollar startup a million dollar company and for the entrepreneurs out there they know how difficult it is to run a business and to when it's a tech business also you want to be you know, you see yourself as a disruptor. I see myself as a disruptor, as a thought uh, leader, as, mm. as also a biohacker, someone who's hacked my own condition um, without having that term hacker. I used to call myself a, a guinea pig. Mm. But being in that world of looking for products that 
you know, everything on Honey Colony are products that I use that I, and so therefore I vet them and people come to us because they're like, oh, this chick made a, you know, they, she made a documentary. So she studied the food supply. She's also been sick. Wow. She's reversed her lupus fibro. How did she do that? So we handpicked in the first couple of years and created our own products. And that included CBD, you know, in 2016, you know, now today, everyone and their mother, I joke is making CBD, but we were and have been always kind of on the cutting edge. We talk a lot about the antibiotic resistance epidemic. Well, now that's kind of mainstream, but we started talking about it four years ago and touting the properties of silver as a natural antibiotic, again, having experienced miracles in our own lives. Like for me, growing up and taking, I grew up taking antibiotics and I had urinary tract infections for on and off for a decade, more than a decade. That means every time I took antibiotics that decimated my gut. Anyway, so since taking silver, I've not been on antibiotics for seven years. I've not had a UTI. That's a miracle for me. So we introduced CBD oil, which is a cannabinoid found in the cannabis plant with ours is from industrialized hemp, meaning it has less than 0.3 THC, but still guarantees the entourage effect. So the entourage effect is because ideally you want to have all the terpenes and cannabinoids in the plant. So we have cannabinoids in our own body. We have CB1 and CB2 receptors, and they oversee homeostasis. So balance, they regulate things like mood and metabolism. Mm -hmm. So we see that the reason why CBD is so quote unquote miraculous, if it's done properly, is that it is working in a sense like an adaptogen where it's going into the body and giving you what you need. Mm. So we see a lot of crappy CBD products out there. And so we've, we've melding kind of science and love together to create this artisanal product. And then since creating that um, in 2017, I I refer to it as the year of playing whack-a-mole. So if you can imagine being a business owner And then you get shut down by PayPal and then you get shut down by Stripe and then you get shut down by Square and then you get shut down by QuickBooks. And every time that means you literally cannot make transactions. Mm -hmm. So you're you're threatened, your your livelihood is threatened. So this happened over and over again. And we had lost, you know, about one hundred thousand dollars. And to put things in perspective from 2015 to 2016, we went from $200,000 in sales to a million, which is a great thing for a startup who's been working their ass off to build. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, with all the shutdowns and not able to prove what is going on because, you know, you can buy CBD on Amazon, but it's a crappy isolate and not a full spectrum uh, formula was kind of strange and and I just need to say hey FYI there is a movement to create a, a legalized FDA approved fake CBD synthetic hmm. and they are estimating that this will um, you know cause bil- bring them in billions and billions of dollars the company the main one that just brought their epidolux to market is called GW well they are 
partnered with Bayer. So just have to say that, hey, just FYI, you know that movie that I made that talks about Bayer? Well, that company, it just so happens I share Bud and Bees with Bayer. Mm. And um, I, along with others, have been shut down. So our th- we are being threatened our right to plant medicine. So this impacts every one of us if you want to have access to plants that are grown in nature that no one should have jurisdiction. And you have to wonder why? Oh, okay, so I can get this fake CBD and spend $60,000 and have all these like lovely side effects, or I can just pay $100 a bottle for an organic brand uh, that has integrity and that will cost me a lot less, and it's natural. So, I know it's a hard, it's hard to choose. But how, so, so my question on like, how were they able to shut you guys down? And is is it was it what, what's the legality or, or the reasoning behind shutting an organic version of this down versus the synthetic? Well, it has nothing to do with organic. It has to do with misinformation. It has to do with control. It has to do with the a system, and it, it's again insidious where you can't point point out because the PayPal will say, I don't want to, you know, they do business with the banks. The banks do business with big pharma. They do not want to have association with, you know, we'll see it as unregulated as Mm -hmm. FDA, whatever comes from the FDA is, is safe, which is bullshit. Excuse me. Um, It is, is not true at all. And we can look up all the deaths associated with prescription drugs and i've written a a lengthy piece called the faux faith of science that looks at the corruption in science in in, today so they shut you down and i mean to be me personally shut down for life i don't sell c i've never sold cbd on my uh, paypal handle why you know why is my interview that i give being taken off of twitter why is my two-year-old video a very benign video that a cannabis lawyer looked at? I mean, the hell that we've endured, uh, I've endured the sacrifices to get people this medicine. You know, imagine just, yeah, it's just been hellish. Um, we also then found a, um, a processor out of China that robbed us $20,000. Then we had another processor that's a big shot in the CBD world also rob us, meaning when I say rob us, they shut you down and then they never give you your money. They just keep it because the um, because they can. And then you look up, oh, let me look up the CEO of this company. Oh, he has a criminal record and he's on the ripoff report. There's slime in behind the scenes of this very, very lucrative. So it's it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 just crazy to shoot someone at the ankles and disable their their way when all I want to do is offer quality and empower people and help them because there's a lot of like I said, one in every two people is sick. Mm-hmm. People, I see them. They come to buy a product and they're trying to get medical information on a live chat, which is who would do that. No one worth their salt would give them real solid information on a live chat. But that's how desperate people are for relief. And Western medicine doesn't have the answers. And people realize that more and more. Hmm. 
so that's just happened in the last number of months, is it? Uh, that no, it a... happened in the last year. Right. Uh, so by July of last year, we had lost about $100,000 from the shutdowns. Then we got robbed $20,000, which was really the nail in the coffin. Mm. And um, then uh, just to say quickly, we, we needed capital. And I empowered a CFO and a COO that found capital from cash advance places, which I joke, well, are kind of loan sharks. Mm -hmm. So imagine having a business where they're taking $1,400 five days a week directly from your account, which was what was happening. And when you lose all that money, you know, you can't buy stock, you, you, your, your customers are upset. And uh, I just basically got rid of my employees because they were doing, I think, an unsatisfactory job. And for the past seven months, I've put the company back on track with, um, yeah, I'm very proud of myself, what I've done, because most people would be like, I'm going to file bankruptcy and uh, manage to put my get my merchant, my processors back up, my accounts, because what happened was my team closed the bank account while I was out of the country. I was studying, uh, like I said, I was doing research on blue zones in Greece last year, mm -hmm. and the bank didn't check with me. So when you close a bank account and you owe bad people money, then they put liens on all your accounts and they freeze, they freeze your accounts. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's been all in the last last year, and, and now the company is back on back on track. And uh, you know, I used to have twelve employees, and and now I'm almost a one woman show, running a million dollar company with maybe two other people. Okay, well, it sounds like it's been a, a roller coaster. How how have you, you know, for yourself, even kept a positive outlook? How have you managed to? Where does the resilience prayed, come from? I prayed uh, a lot uh, with strangers, with customers. Um, I meditate. I do the Marianne Williamson, who's a spiritual teacher and author, course in miracles. I took CBD oil. <laughs> I. Uh, but but just from the perspective of you're a human being and you're an entrepreneur and you literally don't have access to make, make money. I mean, just to think about what does that do to a human being um, and to lose so much money and to work with crooks. So it's also galvanized me because in this process, I became customer service mm -hmm. and I've spoken to hundreds of customers. And, you know, I knew I created a beautiful formula. It's liposomal. It's organic. It's sourced with. It's CO2 extracted, but to hear people like, you know, this person has bladder cancer and, and found relief. This person has PTSD. This person has um, fibromyalgia. So to, to hear how the formula and the CBD oil, our formula is helping people ha has been very uh, inspiring that you know that you're helping people. And that's the whole mission of, of the site and the bees are very much part of that because they, they've been part of my awakening. And, you know, the film, the tagline, one of the taglines we wrote for the film is, is it's a, you like to eat, then you should like, you watch this film. Mm. Any, for anyone who likes to eat. <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty much hopefully everybody that would, would want to watch it because obviously there's some good stuff to take out of it. But just picking up on all you've been through, and you know some of the dealings like i've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and how they've picked themselves back up and and lessons they've learned along the way what what 
what were the the key lessons you've taken away even out of the last you know 12 months that kind of trust trust your gut i'm a highly intuitive person Hmm. and i was telling my business partner that the people working for us were not doing um a job proper job and instead i turned against myself due to certain psychologies and uh I mean, I'm not, I don't have an MBA in business and what I've man I've managed to pay a hundred thousand dollars in debt in seven months Mm -hmm. by working my ass off like a worker bee. So to believe in yourself and your gut Mm. and you know, I don't subscribe. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not part of the matrix. I'm awake and I, I do, I try to think outside of the box. I don't really care what the norm does anymore. The norm doesn't, I'm not the norm. I'm proud to say that. So to just persist and, um, yeah, to, to persist and, and to believe in, in what you're doing regardless. I mean, with that said, you know, there are times when it's good to give up. I'm not a giver-upper. Um, I, I've never been. I'm a, you know, I was born with a cord around my neck. So I, I have been a survivor from a, from a young age and, and I'm very persistent and, and driven young lady. You are, um, you are. I can definitely take a, a lot of those values stripped from the conversation. So, so you know that that's that's to be commended for sure. I I wanted to just question uh, again. Some sometimes these yes. c- come up for me. How do you deal with fear, or, or does fear come into your your life? And and, and again, I'm just fascinated because it doesn't sound like you're fearful. Uh, you face things head on. I, I definitely had. Uh... Sorry to interrupt you, Rob, but okay. I, I woke up with anxiety. Literally, felt like I was drowning, gasping for air. Because again, I would say it's like the first chakra, your survival. Um, so I definitely had a lot of fear, a lot of fear of ending up on the streets. Uh, I felt alone because I had a team, and then I felt like they deserted when the time it got rough. Um, but I think I have faith, and I do believe that I'm a blessed person that I'm here for a reason and again not saying it egotistically Mm -hmm. but um yeah having almost died I think three four times like a cat and I'm I'm still here and I I do have when I say pray I'm not I was raised Christian but I'm not at all religious but I I prayed with my JC loving dad I prayed with a rabbi I, I had a lot of customers that um I would pray with and uh I, I believe in prayer and I believe I really recommend Course in Miracles, which, you know, you need to not live a victim narrative. So it's not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. And I, I'm a real believer of that, that everything can be an opportunity if we, ch- it's all about perception. Excuse me. And so that that's helped me a lot to not, and I think we all have that victim mentality, or at least I did growing up. And having to kind of delete that, delete a lot of these self-limiting beliefs. Um, I mean, I think in mm. Los Angeles, I mean, having a sense of community, and I feel very, I do feel very isolated in Los Angeles, and I do crave that sense of community. But but being around like-minded people, especially like I said in the beginning of your program, that we're living in a topsy-turvy world, and I don't know how it is in Ireland, and and compared to America but I think it's becoming more and more 
obvious to people or people having an awakening to the smoke and mirrors that it's all BS. Mm -hmm. And we have to really tap, go inside to find that strength um, and taking it one day at a time. I mean, I really, I really did feel a lot of times that I was, okay, got to put my armor on today. I'm going to be fighting with loan sharks and lawyers and get bullied. And, and also I am a strong woman, but there's no question now that I was treated differently as a woman um, by some of these, some of these slime, slimy characters. Um, So I don't know. I hope that answers your question. I think a day and a time for sure. It does. It does. And And gratitude, gratitude, big, big, big. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I I interviewed Rosanna Arquette, just, she obviously knows, goes through Danny as well. uh, Just yesterday early and, some of the stuff coming up for her is gratitude as well and and you know i think the world is waking up to an awful lot of um bs as you said and uh hopefully it you know everybody continues to, to move in the right direction and and look for that positivity and and uh i don't know happy ending happiness is i suppose at the, the core of it all is what we, we all want to look for so um miriam i think you know i think that's been really interesting for me i hope folks that are listening um have enjoyed it as well it's 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 a a, a story definitely that not as just about the movie but about your career where where you're going to next i hope you're you know on a positive upward trajectory yes just last couple of quick questions i always would like to wrap up with um is there a saying or a phrase or a cliche that you kind of say that you get something from that you believe in that gives you that bit of strength is there anything that comes up for you there I have a lot of quotes and I have a, a vision board, mm-hmm. um, but nothing to me, what I had mentioned about, it's not what happens to you, but what you do with what happens to you. And, and, um, I, for, for that question, I'll just say that I believe in nonviolent communication and taking responsibility for our words. Our words have energy and to speak in the eye and not to to be blaming i mean that's what that's what comes up for me okay very good and then just again leaving with a a book reference or a book recommendation is there anything you've read in the last year or that stands out that you uh took something from that given gave you some strength yeah so many so many books um any one jump wow, I, I usually read like five books at a time I um know, how to... about I'm I'm listening to Jordan. Well, I say on uh, Jordan Peterson's book. Yeah, is that the twelve rules? Twelve, 12 rules of of life. Is it? A, is that the name of it? Yeah, twelve. Well, um, of chaos, isn't it? Of chaos, maybe. Yeah, life and chaos probably similar uh, type things most of the time. Um, yeah, I don't. What, what's it called? Twelve rules of life: an antidote to chaos. Okay. So I'm listening to Jordan's book and. There was another book by Vishan, um, Unfuckable. Un, can I swear on this show? I don't you, know. Un, you can. You un, can. It's uh, past the watershed, and it's it's, it's okay. <laughs> uh, the code of an ex of the extraordinary mind. Mm. Who wrote that? And um, uh, Vishan uh, Lakiani, and okay. he has something called. Um, a company called Mind Valley. Oh yes, I I've know been, Mind Valley. Yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to go and speak at one of their 
one of their festivals. I'm, I'm very, I love speaking about the bees and, and the knowledge that, that I've, I have and how it pertains to us. So anyway, that book was, okay. that book was uh, memorable. And uh, I listened to lots of podcasts on health and nutrition. And I, I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast and I'm always trying to download information into my head mostly about functional medicine as a functional medicine coach i mean we're learning so much about the gut right now and and uh anyway it's interesting that's yes you mentioned the gut one of the for episodes i did earlier this season is with a professor here in cork it's psychobiotics and it's the Mm. how how the the gut is your second brain and um, yes you should check it out it's a very interesting story and his his book uh, psychobiotic revolution i think is the the name of it Um, i i know that book i haven't read it mm. but i will check it out do i will Um, send you send you a link on that it's we are more bacteria than human cells and so we really have to wonder who is it that's in control and the fact that we make you know the the serotonin in our gut and it's responsible for mood and uh, you know I, i think that i tell people that the zombies are here the future is now and uh what we eat is is the amounts of sugar that people eat um dumbs them down ages them and uh, definitely something's going on almost like a tipping point where critical thinking is not at an all-time high not at all uh, there are people who are literally getting dumber by the day and i'm not saying that to be offensive you can look at the studies of these heavy metals and these environmental toxins that literally rob us of iq points so it's in the water it's in the food and it's a i believe a means to dumb people down and and to control them definitely an interesting line to leave it on Miriam. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's been interesting for me uh, as I said every time I talk to somebody I'm learning something new and hopefully sharing it helps others pick up on something and awakening is is always something that I'm trying to to adopt myself and wake up uh, to to a lot of things that are going around us so I hope that message came across well um, tonight and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk me through your your career your, your your journey so far and hopefully lots more good stuff to come in the near future for you thank you rob and may i tell people how to find me absolutely please do that Uh, please uh you can find me on instagram or twitter at mariam henane m-a-r-y-a-m as in mary h-e-n-e-i-n as in nancy and um, you can buzz on over to honeycolony.com or simply transformative.com which is where we keep our cbd oil um, and thank you rob for this opportunity to talk about the bees and food and health no thank you and i will put those links into the notes of the show as i said which will be which is out now effectively uh, it'll just uh, take a short while for me to put <laughs> some of those notes okay. together and um, hopefully i'll put it out on twitter feel free to uh, to retweet it there um, if people okay. get in touch with you certainly get back in touch let me know how, how that goes and um, yeah have a have a great rest of the day and keep on fighting on and best of luck in in future endeavors thank you to rob have a beautiful night night thank time you. yeah bye. very good take care Miriam. Yeah. bye bye take care bye bye
All right. So that's an episode with Miriam Hinane complete. And that just leaves me with a couple of bits to do before I wrap up um, clicking in the background. So hopefully you don't mind the mouse clicking. Okay. So before I wrap up, uh, as I said last week, if you're listening to these live shows, they're certainly work in progress. That was an interesting one for sure. I try to put my intros from the 1% Better show that I release at the weekends or Fridays into this show now so that there's less of a, less of a long intro for folks. So so this week I recorded an episode with Rosanna Arquette just yesterday. Uh, it's going to come out on the 864 podcast. If you hear some beeping sound in the background, I'm going to turn that down. And... That was a very interesting conversation with Rosanna Arquette. There was some similarities that I just had there with Miriam, um, but uh, Rosanna Arquette, who was Hollywood, 30, 40 year uh, career, and it felt uh, it was an interesting conversation, as I said. Uh, so that'll come out on Friday on the 864 podcast. This is the 1% Better podcast, so you'll need to subscribe to the 864 um, on iTunes or Google podcasts or wherever you listen or just come on to the rob of the green website and it'll be there uh when it comes out then we talk about values we talk about positivity we talk about donald trump uh, harvey weinstein and books a lot of books uh were recommended by rosanna um so friday okay what else the episode this episode will go up shortly i talked about that and in the last week i got a lot of good feedback from folks uh about the one percent better podcast some of the the guests that they've listened into they took something from so that's always really really good um the 864 is growing we have about what is it number eight or nine coming out and lots i have another number recorded kind of doing a lot of recording at the moment i'm pushing them out still trying to find the right balance of when to release and when not to release but as long as people are getting something from it i'll just keep doing it and uh that'll be hopefully a positive experience for you i'm getting fun out of it if you are i'll just make a few final call outs it would be great if you Go on to the iTunes or Google Play or Google Podcasts. I'm not sure if you can even leave a rating, but take a second to give a rating if you enjoyed this episode or if you didn't. Uh, give it one star or no stars. If you like it, give it five or any of them. Give that, that rating. It always helps because it pushes the episode or the show up into higher echelons of the charts. And you've, if you listen to me a few times, I don't believe in the the way the charts work i don't know how they work actually but um last week we were as high as seven in the education charts which is good new people get to, to click in as a result because they see tony robbins and they see ted talks and they see us somewhere around there and they say what's this one percent better show and then they'll hopefully enjoy it so i emphasize i can't emphasize enough uh how, how much i would be grateful uh if you did that gratitude is something that keeps coming up in all these shows practice gratitude so i would be grateful and practice gratitude with somebody you know tell them you're grateful that's always a nice thing to do doesn't cost anything just potentially do it and feel better yourself okay next week uh, i'm not sure yet next week i think i have a live show on monday not tuesday and i have a really good one percent better show next friday which will be with uh, david g i think i 
teased it that this week but because the um Rosanna Arquette one was something I really wanted to get out quite quickly. I decided to put it out this Friday. All in the name of betterness is really what I'm trying to kind of go with. So I won't say much more than that. I think um, I'm going to play the outro music there now. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and hopefully the sound was clear. I'm going to check that out as soon as i uh, say good night good day goodbye another one done one percent better podcast have um have a great rest of the week and let me know if you enjoyed it drop me a note drop me an email follow on twitter and be sure to subscribe to the 864 because the rosanna arquette episode coming out on friday is well worth checking out okay good luck take care thanks for listening